Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. are listening to the urban sports scene part of empire media at empiremedia.com i am ray listen my homie wole is out tonight and we have a big show planned for you guys well i have a big show planned for y'all it's my first time hosting by myself and it's on a live platform so it's pretty dope thanks for you all for rocking with us of course go to empiremedia.com and check out the home of the urban sports scene. Empire Media hosts multiple DMV podcasts, such as the John Kine Report, hosted by ESPN Washington Commanders insider John Kine, and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today insider Mike Jones. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the urban sports scene. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. If you're rocking with us on YouTube right now, please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and then check us out on X at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Scene and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also, join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Just search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. And lastly, go and check out footballgarbagetime.com, which is host to the annual uh nfl pick challenge my bad it's a lot to say here wole i miss you bro uh the urban sports team takes on uh, the football garbage time podcast every year in the annual nfl pick em challenge right now wole's in last place i'm in four sitting behind my man hakun Wan. but again go check out footballgarbagetime.com and the words my man wole let's get into the tradition the pregame we're gonna talk about the celebration bowl i'll be joined by hbcu legend and former NFL quarterback Jay Walker to discuss the college football season as well as his alma mater, HU, Howard University's preparation for the program's first ever Celebration Bowl appearance at approximately 820. We'll continue to talk about HU, but we're going to go on the hoop side. Last night, I was courtside at Bird Gymnasium as the, the Bison went toe-to-toe with the Cincinnati Bearcats, man. Nearly pulled it out in overtime, and then at 830, we're going to be talking commanders. We'll have Seawall. Candy Waller from Seawall Sports and Entertainment joined the show to talk about what's going on with Eric Bieniemy. the remainder of this season, what's the outlook, and also this Miami Dolphins game coming up on Sunday. And finally, around 8.50, we will discuss the Washington Wizards. And Jordan Poole, is he the focal point? Kyle Kuzma made some comments about the transition from that fourth option to becoming the guy. We'll talk about that. But first, joining the Urban Sports, he is again he is an hbcu legend and he's also preparing to see his alma mater the the howard bison make their first appearance at the 2023 cricket celebration bowl was taking place on saturday december 16th from the mercedes-benz stadium in atlanta georgia we are joined by hu alum and former nfl quarterback as well as current college football analyst for ESPN. Welcome to the Urban Sports Scene, Mr. Jay Walker. What's happening, brother? <laughs> hey, what's going on, man? How you doing, man? Good, hey. good to be here with you. Can, can you tell them what the Howard? Can, can you tell them <laughs> I'm feeling right now? You know, I'm not on the air, you know, calling the game, so I'm going to rock my Howard gear all the way up until game day. Hey, listen, first of all, it's good to have you, brother. Another light-skinned brother on the show is always a blessing. My but man. <laughs> <laughs> another thing is this. If Howard ultimately faces off against FAMU, which a lot of people think that's what's going to happen. We got you and Tiffany Green on the call. How's that going to look? <laughs> Man, you know, that I think people are going to be disappointed. You know, we, we've talked about it. Like, everybody's saying, Man, how are y'all going to do the game? And I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to be professional. You know, she's going to, you know, uh, want 
fam you of course and i'm going to want howard but it can't show up so we've had long conversations about them. i mean we were talking to, to willie simmons and he's like man if we get by this jay we want to win just so we can see you and tiffany have to call this game together i'm like wow whoa whoa slow <laughs> down so i think those people that are looking for our normal banter a little bit when one school the other's playing they'll be a little disappointed you know uh, we're, we're professionals here all right, man. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. You guys do an amazing job. So you guys. Hey, let me tell you something that's funny, though. Let me tell you something that's funny. So, so we're, we're nit, you know, we nitpick with each other all the time, right? So, you know, I'm always like, with fam, you's always something. They, they always got something. And then, uh, so this one, she's like, you know, we were talking about Give Me Five list. And she said, well, for my number one thing, if I do a Give Me Five, fam, you is the number one public HBCU in the country. And I'm like, all right, number one. I started thinking, she said, I said public. So I'm like, oh, well, now you get mad at Howard because we private. And then I'm thinking about the list, and I'm like, well, number one is Spellman. You know, they rank number one in the same listing guy, and we were two. So I said, well, FAMU's going to say you're the number one public HBCU in the country. I'm going to say Howard is the number one co-ed HBCU in the country. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's stuff like that that never stops. Hey, I love it, man. And speaking of rankings, man, I got, I got a slight bone to pick with you a little bit. On the broadcast, Morgan State game, they were playing at home against Central. You yeah. and Tiffany both ranked the, the most beautiful HBCU campuses. You yeah. had Morgan, like, number one. And no, I said, he's, no, never, no, he's no. never stepped foot on my alma mater's campus at UMES. She had UMES on hers, but you didn't have it on yours. I yeah. said, you, you, I, I know we don't have football right now. It's coming, though. But still, yeah. man. Like, <laughs> like, have, you, have you been to UMES? And yeah. how did you come up with Morgan? Yeah, Morgan's not number one. I put Morgan up there number two. Now, have you seen Morgan State lately? Yeah, I have. I I, I was there for the Towson game. So that new that new campus they have is gorgeous. I mean, the new buildings, the glass, uh, the glass student union, all that. I mean, it's new and improved to that. You know, let's not forget I was I was a state delegate in Maryland for sixteen years, so I kind of felt good like we helped fund that. You know, as a delegate, we had some more funding we had to do for UMES. So UMES is all right. But I mean, number number one, you, you can't compete with, with with water. So Hampton, you know, I don't like Hampton. I'm a Howard guy, but Hampton's got the number one most beautiful campus out there, you know. And I got a little mad at my my statistician, uh, graphics person, because that list was supposed to be called Jay's most beautiful list. You know, I'm trying to do like that. <laughs> it's supposed to be most beautiful list, but they corrected it. But that's what it is. And, and hats off, it was really giving a, a salute to Morgan. I mean, Morgan, they deal with so much negative stuff, and people don't realize that campus has everything everything you, you and me as y'all getting there you're just not top five <laughs> all right well hopefully we'll crack that top five in the future but I'm, I'm gonna go a little backwards man we're gonna start with the celebration bowl though man when i reached out to you that's what i wanted to talk to you about mainly when, when having you on the show and i had the opportunity to talk with coach scott early in the year we also had running back even james on this on this show and both of them acknowledged early on hey central is circled on our schedule man like it, it was a big game uh, Coach Scott said, I'm happy we got them at home this year. Um, how did you view that game, and how big was that win for the Bison? You know, arguably biggest win in the last, you know, outside of UNLV. When the Bison beat UNLV, that was huge. That was huge. So I'm going to say, you know, that's been the biggest one. But that that one there, you know, nobody saw it coming. You know, keep in mind, Central put 50 on them the year before. And mm -hmm. so Howard came back and put 50 on them. That just doesn't happen. So – so how, I was always wondering, how are you going to make up the 35-something points they beat you by? And then they did it and beat them by 30. So uh, it's just, you know, that lets you know really how competitive the, the MEAC is. And with Howard, you know, it's a good thing about Howard, but it's also the thing that'll frustrate you. Like, they can play with anybody. I mean, they should have beat Northwestern in the Big Ten. And then they get blown out by Harvard. Then, you know, they should have beat Eastern Michigan. They You know, first half they were terrible. Second half they came out doing it. They had Hampton beat. So with Howard, they can play with anybody. It's just figuring out ways to win those games. All right. Well, you said it. See, I, I talked to Coach Oliver in, in media day, and that's what his words were. We put 50 up on Howard. It wasn't no need for he wasn't shy about a, a conference championship game. He got on stage with you guys the same way. Why is it co-champions? So, like you said, the fact that Howard then comes and hangs 50 on them, is it's almost like karma. So I want to ask you this. Is there a rivalry brewing between Coach Oliver and Coach Scott? Oh, absolutely. I think so. <laughs> there, there wasn't one before. There definitely is now. There definitely is now. You know, we call the same things that make you laugh or make you cry. 
But but I think, you know, and looking, you know, those are the two teams predicted to be one and two. So anytime you have that one and two and one team wins, the other one loses, I mean, that's healthy for the game. So I think there's a healthy rivalry brewing. And, you know, A&T, the other rivals we had, A&T and Hampton are kind of gone. So next next up is North Carolina Central. And I think that's healthy. All right. So will we'll, we'll, we'll the Bison, will they be facing PV or FAMU in the celebration? But what's your prediction? I got to call the game, so I'm not going to predict it. Uh, but but I'm, I'm going to say this, and I told this to to both coaches, uh, Willie Simmons and Bubba McDowell. Like, I almost feel like even if Prairie View goes down to Tallahassee, if they beat them by 15, they're still going to lose by two. I mean, it's mm. just that intense down there. So they got to beat them by like 21 in order to walk out of there with a three-point victory. So that's going to be the challenge they have and Let's not forget, I mean, FAMU roughed them up pretty good uh, during their homecoming when they played Prairie View. Oh, boy. Light skin, I lost you. Sorry about that. Had some technical technical difficulties there. But getting back to our discussion, um, I wanna I wanna touch on the rest of college football as well. I appreciate your insight. Man, you can't make a prediction, but it's all good. Um you showed a lot of love to Chinis Berry and, and the Benedict Tigers uh this, this season. Talk about their success. And in your opinion, what's next for Coach Berry? Does he potentially make like a return to Southern? What do you think? Uh, well, he's the hottest name out there right now for his coaching job, and some pretty good ones have come open. Uh, I, I gave Benedict, you know, my team of the year. I don't care what level they were playing, Division One or Division Two. I mean, you go undefeated in a, in the way that they did, in the fashion that they did it with, you know, consecutive years. That's my team of the year. I think he's instilled that discipline there. Uh, I think the natural fit, you know, I, I got to criticize South Carolina State if they don't land him. I mean, he's right down the street. Right down the street, wouldn't have to move. Knows that recruiting area, it, it, you know. So I think they got to step up and go get them. Uh, but I will say, anybody that's ever coached at Southern, I, I don't know why, I, I can't say why, but anybody that's ever coached at Southern as an assistant coach, they always want to come back and get that head coaching job. It's like that's like their dream job. That's why in that category? But I think South Carolina State just makes sense. I mean, you replace Buddy Pugh. They got some guys. There. They're going to be good. They're going to be good. So that, that's the way I would be leading. Ah, uh, man. I guess it'll be interesting to see. But I didn't even think about South Carolina State as a possibility for him. Um, are you surprised with the coaching changes that we've seen uh, within yeah. the HBC ranks? I mean, Texas Southern is in that mix. Grambling is now in that mix as well. Um, what's your thoughts about that? I heard some big names in line for that Texas Southern job. What are your thoughts just about the landscape? Because uh, Coach Hugh Jackson came out. He's been on this show, too, before. He said he should have got more time. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the way it works, it's always, you know, you, I, I'm, it's, it's old school. They used to be, hey, you let somebody get through their recruiting class four years and see if you see improvement, especially after year three. You may not want to keep them year four, but you give them three years. But but that, that world has changed. I mean, it's for better or for worse, for coaches, that world's changed. You cannot grow with your recruiting class anymore because they'll go to the portal. So you come in with a bunch of kids out of high school, you think, oh, three years from now, we're going to be good. Well, after two years, if they look good, they're going to be gone. So you have to learn how to go get some people to replace them. So I think that four-year that four year track record that you used to have, I think that's gone. And we saw Grambling and Southern show that. If you can't win now, replace Gats right now, you know, fans can be fickle and uh, presidents and administrators because everybody thinks you can win right now. You can turn this thing around quickly, and that's kind of – you know, Coach Dion did that one there. I mean, Willie did it there, FAMU. So they won it by year two now. It's not the, the three mm. or four-year process it used to be, which is kind of tough. Absolutely. So who, who you here wants that job? Well, you said big names for Texas Southern. I'm like, okay. That's what that that's what I heard. It, I didn't hear any specific names. I saw a weird uh tweet on or a post on X, whatever we call it now, saying Andre Johnson was in the running, but that's not the qualifications that I heard. Texas Southern is looking for. I heard they're looking for an experienced coach, HBCU ties, not an assistant. So it can't be him. Uh, I don't think they want to go the quote unquote celebrity uh, coach route. 
but uh, I haven't heard a specific name. I just heard that it's some it's some big uh, interest that's been drawn from that program because it's a good job, really. They were close in some games. They had FAMU 14 nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, McKinnon, that was his hat last hurrah. You know, he had four years on his contract. They gave him all four. Uh, but it's interesting. I've heard a lot of people say they, they, they think they can turn Texas Southern around. I'm kind of like, for me, out of the jobs that are out there, that would be like the fourth best out of the big four that are out there. South Carolina mm. State, Southern, Grambling, and uh, Texas Southern. That would be my fourth choice, you know. But you know, but I've heard people kind of say they like that and they, they want to give that a go. So I'll tell you a name I thought about and uh, was just talking. I was like, if I'm Texas Southern and you those qualifications you mentioned, I'm looking at a guy like Henry Frazier. Mm. You know, Frazier had success everywhere he's been. You know, mm-hmm. he's the one to turn that Prairie View program around, went to Central, built them up. Virginia State's rolling with them right now at eight and two, nine and two. Knows that Texas area. Like a guy like that has what you want, that experience. And I, I'm just talking out loud, but I look for connections like that. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like things that make sense. So, you know, you, you hear, uh, what am I hearing? Here, Marshall Falk for Southern University. That'd be a splash. After that, I, that heard, be a splash. I heard that. That's you know what? There. I don't think Southern will be happy with that. I, I mistakenly mentioned Ed Reed because he's from Louisiana. I thought he would recruit well, and people went off on me. Like, oh, you can just insult HBCUs and think you can just come <laughs> get a job. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, mind your UMES business, all types of stuff I was talking. I'm like, all right, my bad. So I don't know if Marshall Falk would be a good name for some of them folks. If, if, if Southern has, and I tell them, I tell them it's all the time, they have the most loyal fan base, but they're the most fickle fan base. And what Southern mm-hmm. does they talk with their feet. So that's a good thing because they're going to show up for you. But if you make some alumni mad, I've seen it where they're like, oh, okay, we're going to show him. We're just not going to go to the games. And they won't go and they'll stay outside and tailgate. So if you saw this year, you know, that Jackson State game we did, packed 25,000 people, packed one of the best environments of the year. They lost that game. Next game come uh, down to about 18, 20. Okay, then they get mad that they lost that. Now I'm starting to hear they're mad at Dooley. They start going down to 13,000. So they mm. talk with their feet. And the last one, like they were like, no, nah, we, we don't like it. We don't like what he's doing. And you know, Southern, they ran out Pete Richardson. They didn't like Pete Richardson, one of the most successful coaches they had. So, but I get it because they put a lot into it. You know, they buy them season tickets. They come out when they're winning, they love it. But they're the biggest, one of the best traveling fan bases, but they're also the most fickle fan base, too. I'll tell you what, man, I appreciate you dropping the numbers, man, because HBCU football tennis has been amazing this past season. And speaking of something, you saw the Bayou Classic. That ultimately is what I heard led to Hughes ouster. I heard that uh, audible he called near the goal line. Miles Crawley got stuffed. I heard that was it. I heard it. that's where the murmuring started. Like, okay, he's got to go. Um, he had to win that game. If he yeah. wins that game, I think yep. he keeps his job. I do. And, and look at the flip side. Look at the flip side. <laughs> Southern wasn't even going to take a chance at Dooley winning that game. So that's mm. old school. So they're like, oh, you're not going to coach in the Bayou Classic because if you win, it's going to be real hard to get rid of you. So they made up their mind early, like, wow, that's that's what we're doing now? But that's old school. That's how they used to do it down there in Louisiana. Man, it's crazy, man. So I appreciate your insight, man. Listen, I'm going to have you back on. I'm going to tell you that when we finish. Um, it's Time is flying on us. So I want to get back real quick to your days at Howard before I let you go because – I've heard different stories about how players ended up at Howard. Like we had Antoine Bethea on this show. He famously talked about the latex party that he went to and hitting up the Ritz nightclub. And he was like, mom, I'm going to Howard. I had somebody else come on. They said they were dropped off at the quad during their recruiting visit, which I heard as a female doing. Um, You've been very vocal about your college experience, but I don't know if many have heard how you landed at Howard. Of course you played baseball. Give us some insight as to how you ended up at Howard University, man, the Mecca. I mean, I wanted to be a student athlete. Mm. <laughs> That's a lie, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was actually committed to go to Louisville. Uh, so mm. I was going to go to Louisville and from California, and they were on me. And then my mom kind of said, hey, you know what? That Howard coach keeps calling you every day. At the very least, you get a chance to go there for free. And my boss is always complaining about tuition. You know, she she hit that mama roll on me. Oh, you're going to go look at it. At the very least, yo, yo. Yo, yo, your tail is gonna go look at it. And I'm like, oh cool. Trip to Howard. Yard got me. Got went there, had a ball, and saw said, Man, there's something here that Coach Wilson said, Hey, this is all we need. And I never forget there were some cheerleaders on the elevator. 
because a basketball team was there. And they, I asked them, I said, you know, what's up with Howard football team? They were like, oh, football. I mean, the whole football team, sorry, except for Flea. Ooh. And I was like, dang. <laughs> I said, but if I get them to say the whole team, sorry, except for Flea and Jay, I'm winning. So uh, that was kind of like, oh, I'm going to go there and do that. And, you know, the, the rest is kind of history, though. Best decision I ever made. Man, I'm telling you, you know, I'm here in the DMV, and that was one of the only times from my, my childhood. I was in high school around that time when you were playing at Howard. And uh, to have media coverage the way it was at Howard, man, I mean, it's just it's a testament to just what you did there, man, as quarterback and bring exposure. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, what's, what's wild is people love Coach Scott around. They love Coach Scott because once he turned on that Nick Saban opportunity – to go to Alabama, and they said that the commitment is here now. We haven't had this in such a long time. And now going to the Celebration Bowl, uh, where do you feel how football is now and, and, and how far can it go under Coach Scott? Uh, they've done a good job of managing the yard. I literally, like when Coach Scott got the job, I said, believe it or not, it's not like anyplace else. You have to manage that yard. Uh, and he came back to me second year, like, I didn't even know that yard was that serious, Jay. I mean, it's that serious. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things to do not just on the yard, but in Washington, D.C., in the DMV, you know, besides the football game. You know, you got parties galore. You got, you know, jobs galore. You got a lot of distractions, things you can do. So once you manage that and have folks that are committed and realize what it's going to take, then this city can be your oyster. I mean, the DMV loves a winner, and I think that's what he's starting to see. Those guys are starting to see, hey, if you win these games here, people are going to know about you. You know, I always took it like, if we can win at Howard, we're the – I think we're the largest HBCU in the top 10 media market. I mean, wow. Who's, who's going to be that? Who, who can match that? So I used to love that when you, and you take that and say, all right, we got more scrutiny on us. We, we got to watch out for each other. Guys, we got to work a little bit harder to stay out of trouble. We got to work a little harder to go to class. Because like I said, <laughs> them distractions are real. But yeah. once you figure that all out, then, I mean, it's a brotherhood. And, uh, everybody remember you. They'll remember you and you become legendary. So real quick, once this program continues to grow, man, what do you do with Green Stadium? What happens to the facilities? Because there's a, a lot of talk about even Bird Gymnasium needs to go and there needs to be a bigger facility for athletes um, in general at the school. I mean, the school is popping. You know, swim team, track team, man. A lot of success, man. And I'm Golf team, growing, everything. Growing up in the DMV, even though I'm a UMS alum, I got love for HU. I covered a basketball game there last night. That's my next topic. Uh, but anyway, um, how, how does that process look? Because basically I just heard it would take a lot of time and money and they don't have the space. So how, how can you yeah. expand? A little, little bit landlocked. You know, my, my goal a couple years ago, probably 10, 15 years ago, I think they need to do like a, they do like a convocation center, you know, mm. where you can, like, it's a dome, you know, like I've gone to you know University of North Dakota, University of Northern Iowa. They've got these basketball arenas that are football stadiums. So that's the dome and you can, can play it. And you can control your concession. You don't have to worry about weather. So I've always you can use it for graduation because the one thing everybody at Howard hates is when it rains on graduation. So how are you gonna have your your parents pay all this money if you get four years of college and then it rains and you gotta squeeze in the burr if you're lucky? So I think they need to have like this convocation center that can hold you know ten thousand. It'd be good for basketball. It'd be good for football. You pack it, you know, and it is what it is. And uh, that's always been my thought. And it doesn't take much space, but you know. They got smarter engineers. They got a school engineer over there to handle that problem. But I do think right, you know, give you, replacing Burr and Green got to go. I'm gonna give you this thought. Audi Field hosted the, the battle of the real HU against. Uh, There's, only against There's only one HU. There's only one HU. There's not a battle oh. HU. There's only one. I'm HU. just. I would just tell you what it's what it's entitled. But anyway, yeah, yeah. They, they they hosted that game, so there is an opportunity, I think, for this team to still play in the city while the facility were to get worked on, but. Uh, I, like I said, I'm getting ready to transition to Howard basketball, man. Any Go ahead. Guys, like I said, we got to have you back on. I appreciate you. It's been dope. My co-host said he used to play with you, man. He just wanted me to let you know because he couldn't be here tonight. Uh, any uh, Anything else you want to add, man? We'll get you back, man, later on this year. Oh, uh, no year. problem, man. I, I appreciate it, man. And like always, man, you know, you, you go from them roughneck dudes. Now you're going to talk about the pretty boys on the basketball court. So have fun <laughs> with it, man. And uh, good luck to y'all. Appreciate it. And if you can, man, make sure y'all check out our – our, our show, me and Tiff show, uh, Black Cows Live. So it's coming. Oh, up all day. I'm subscribed, I'm subscribed so, uh, man. Y'all get to travel. Yes. To, that, that's my goal. We want to travel to every HBCU in the country at some point, man. I mean, as far as Miles College, man, we got ties everywhere. So that's what's up. But you know, we support, man. No doubt, man. Always, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate y'all. All right. Have a blessed night, bro. All right. Holla.
All right, that was Jay Walker the GOAT. Whoa, lay. Listen, man, you missed a good one, bro. Hey, for those of you who are watching now, you know, YouTube who are watching this, man, just drop some comments, man. Let us know what you think about just what Jay said in terms of some of these openings, man. Some of the names. Yeah, I'm sure he has more information on it than what we have. But we're going to continue this, or I'm going to continue this, man. It's so weird being here by myself. We're going to continue this discussion about Howard University and the basketball program, man. As I mentioned, I had the opportunity to cover uh, the Cincinnati game last night on the campus of Howard University. Cincinnati came to Howard University. And even though, like I just mentioned, I'm a UMS alum, I'm still showing a lot of love for Coach Kenneth Blakeney, man. It just He continues to bring big games to the campus of one of the premier HBCUs I just think is dope. Um, if you check out my my article, urbansportscene.blogspot.com, you'll see just Wes Miller, Cincinnati's coach. He took his guys to the African-American Museum while they were in town. He also just provided education. I mean, the majority of his team is African-American, man. And I watched them during the pregame as Lift Every Voice came on and was played in Howard University, how it captured their attention. It's just a dope experience, man. So I want to put a question out here to the listeners. What do you think about HBCUs making more of an effort to schedule PWIs at home and are PWIs going to be willing? Um, but for Howard, they also put on a good showing, which helps. They didn't get blown out. Cincinnati was blowing every team out. They were undefeated coming into the game at 5-0. and And Coach Blakeney had his team ready, man. Took the game to overtime. They held several leads. Should have probably pulled it out, but lost it close. But regardless whether you believe in moral victories or not, it was still an amazing showing for um, Howard University and that basketball program, which continues to grow. And they lost Shai Odom. Shai Odom, of course, is the reigning MEAC Rookie of the Year. He had a back injury, man. I'm like, oh, man, they lost Shai against a team that is fairly big in Cincinnati. I thought that that was going to really impact them. But if you have followed me on Twitter, uh, you see my Twitter handle right there, at Urban Sports underscore Ray. You saw that big shot Seth Towns hit. He led all scores of 24. He stepped up. People have been criticizing because he's been in college for a while, but the brother's been injured. Of course, COVID came about. And he's making the most of his opportunity at Howard. He was a little bit upset about losing that game, which shows the expectations that they have in, their, in that building at, at Bird Gymnasium. But my question to you all as well out there um, is, how will Howard stack up against the rest of the MEAC? Again, the reigning MEAC champions went to the NCAA tournament last year, played Kansas, uh, played very well in the first half. It was only down two at the break, if I'm not mistaken. And then, of course, Kansas stretched the lead open or broke the lead open in the second half. But right now, Norfolk's looking good, too. Blowout win against William and Mary. What are we expecting from the Bison and the MEAC? I'm a UMES alum. UMES has a, 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 a brand new roster, but playing pretty well. Got a big win at homecoming against Penn. And then you got North Carolina Central, which has arguably the best coach in the MEAC. And I'm, I'm just wondering... Which one of those teams is going to be the one to emerge? South Carolina State right now, not in discussion. Coppin State, not in discussion, really. Delaware State, not necessarily in discussion. Uh, UMS, though, was picked to finish sixth behind Morgan State, who also had some roster turnover. So watching the MEAC, man, is, is going to be amazing. And I'm looking forward just to see how Howard gels come January. It's, it's kind of scary that Norfolk already looks as though, even though they lost Joe Bryan Jr., who was – the reigning MEAC player of the year. They they lost Dana Tate Jr. as well. They lost Chris Bankston, and they looking so good. It's scary. Um, so I'm wondering now, who is going to emerge from that tournament? Last year's MEAC tournament was one for the ages, man. I think this year's MEAC tournament will be the same way. We got to see the MEAC expand, man. The MEAC has had a lot of success. Look at, like I told Jay, look at all that Howard is doing in general. Across the board, golf, you include that. It's just dope to see MEAC schools doing big things, but we got to get some more teams in there. We got to get football to Coppin as well as University of Maryland Eastern Shore. We can't see the MEAC be disbanded, man. It just can't happen. I haven't heard a whole lot of chat about that lately. And who runs the Celebration Bowl? So we we, we room for Howard to win the Celebration Bowl. Although, if FAMU is the team to go represent, or PV, man, PV is tough. They have turned it on, man. Bubba McDowell doing his thing, man. And I'm thinking that Moving forward, some people saying the SWAC is improving in basketball. I, I agree. Alcorn and Grambling, man, looking good. Me, I, I mean, not the me, I'm sorry, just HBCUs in general are now, I think, 
improving their stock across the board, man, as we talked about um, in the SIAC uh, with Benedict in football. Um, Bowie State also has been really good in football. Union has been good in basketball, man. Elizabeth City is a school that at times shows flashes, man. HBCU is doing it across the board. It'd be nice to see some of these schools move up uh, to that MEAC level. But we don't want to pick and choose what schools that we want to take from a, another HBCU conference. I know that um, co- I know that our commissioners, we, we had Dr. Anthony Holliman on this show, man. I know he, he loves his schools, man, and institutions. And we want to see every institution. We want to see every conference strong. The conferences, of course, are working together. And it is now 8.30. Hopefully we'll have uh, Candy Waller on soon to discuss the commanders because, oh, man, it, it's, it's still a whole lot going on with the commanders, even though right now, of course, the season, I'm not going to say it's over, but not in the playoff hunt at this, at this point in time. And um, still, there's a lot of chatter. Who's going to be the next coach? Um, is it going to be Eric Bieniemy? A lot of the fans are saying no. There's the rumblings and reports about the players. So hopefully we can have her on soon. Um, and we'll have that discussion once Candy joins the show. I'm going to try to reach out to her in a minute. But until then, um, again, whether you're watching this, the, the recording, or whether you're joining us live, man, I want to get your comments on what's the outlook for the rest of the season for the Washington Commanders. What is the outlook for the remainder of the season? What do you want to see? What do you want to see happen? Now, if they make a run, meaning if they go on a winning streak, will fans be upset? Like, oh, now you want to win? Um, if you tank so to speak, to try to get a top pick, then what happens? So what happens What happens to the commanders for the remainder of the season? What would you like to see happen? Would you prefer to see the team just tank, get the best draft position possible? Or do you want to see these players show some pride and rally and have fans at least come to the stadium with an expectation that we might watch this team win? The, the Cowboys game, a historic event because so many people tuned in on Thanksgiving and to see Dak, of course, it's been so much made of him eating turkey on the sideline during the game. Um, I guess for many of us, it don't get more disrespectful than that. So that's my question. I'm not a Washington Commanders fan. My man Wole is. And Wole, if he was here, I would guarantee he'd say, nah, I don't want to see them win no other games. However, you still have one division game left, and that's against Dallas. Do you win that? I personally think if you do tank, so to speak, who do, who do you take in the draft? The name Marvin Harrison Jr. was floated out there on this show last week. Are you are you are you really going to tank for Marvin Harrison Jr.? Are you really going to tank for him? Um, would you consider trying to get Caleb Williams to come home, uh, which many think is is not necessarily the case. It looks like Chicago may may still take him if Justin Fields becomes available. Is that an option or Sam Howell, the guy? There's so many questions. And then there's the question as to why isn't EB the guy that's going to be the coach? If not EB, then who? Um, so many good coaches that we always talk about have gotten out of the building here in Washington. So why would you let another good one get out? He's old school. Okay. But remember Marty Schottenheimer. For those who are old enough to remember that, I know some young people out there will be like, who? Marty Schottenheimer was complained about, man. But when that team turned it around, it looked good. He only lasted one year again. That was Dan, though. This is a brand new regime. You got Josh Harris now as the owner. What do you do? Do you, do you give Eric Bieniemy the chance to show that he can be a head coach in spite of what some current players think or feel about him? Maybe they'll adapt. Maybe they really just want to win and it won't matter. Um, there's no transfer portal in the NFL. We talked about that many times on this show. You, you may have some players request a trade, but there's been some criticism of the players. I know Wole was saying they're soft, they're losers, because if you were winning – Nobody would be talking about you this way. So how can you, as a team, with the records you have, be complaining about a coach who's trying to get the best out of you? Tyreek Hill and others have come out, and they, they've supported they've supported EB. And what's interesting about that is those guys won with EB. Um, this, this, this current group hasn't. So I'm not understanding. And who are the people? Oh, that's what I want to know. I love when reports come out about um, – I love when reports come out when it's like anonymous, like players. Okay, what players? 
who who's disgruntled? That's what I want. Is it Curtis Samuel? Is it Terry McLaurin? Who is 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 bristling at EB style? Who is it? I don't think it's Sam Howell. So who is it? Is it B Rob? What players out there are complaining? That that's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, I'm trying to hit Candy up now to see if she's still coming on. But again, it's something to, to think about. Who are the players that are complaining? Do they have the right to really complain at this point? And if you were the one making decisions, who would be your head coach of choice? You know, hit us up again. Give, a, give us some comments, man. Check our Facebook page out. If you're watching this on Facebook, hit us up there. I want to know who the next coach should be. I mean, I'm cool with EB. I mean, I'm not even, like I said, I'm not a Commanders fan. Wole is. I know Wole is cool with EB. But there's a, a large percentage of, of the fan base who feels like he's no no better than Scott Turner. And now it looks like we got Seawall in the building. She is coming on now. Candy, what's good? Hey, what's going on, Ray? Hey, listen, I'm up in here by myself. My man Wole ain't here. So, you know, I'm just adjusting. I was waiting for you. I was talking to the fans about just how the season is not over. But then again, in some ways it is. But it's still a whole lot of drama. I want to start with the questions I was just asking. What's this EB stuff looking like for you? Who are the players that are disgruntled? With his quote unquote old school style, give us your thoughts. Well, I mean, it's it's I have a few thoughts here, right? Um, what I want to start out with is you know, Coach Rivera sometimes has a style where he makes decisions and he tells people about it, they you know, talks to people about it later. I think that you know, I I made a joke early on when Coach Bienemy came to Washington that I said, okay, this might be a good cop, bad cop situation, right? And where you have, you know, Coach Ron Rivera has a very different style than, you know, Coach Bienemy does. And I think what is probably happening is, was it even communicated to players why, the, why this style was needed, right? What, what really has transpired what's the what's the mentality what's the mindset what's needed in order to win football games in this league mm -hmm. and why he made the decision that he made um and describing himself what eb style is in terms of you know the who i would just say hey we got to take a look at the types of people you know, the types of character, because that was something that was important to um, Coach Rivera, right? And just the style. Everybody's not everybody's not for the aggressive approach. Everybody's not for the yelling. Everybody's not for, I mean, it's a different style. You know, if you have a leader who is kind of mild and calm and they only yell when they get upset versus a leader who's yelling all the time, and perhaps making you do things repeatedly, the reality is these are two different cultures merging. And this is what happens when you have two different cultures that are merging and without the understanding of what's happening, what was wrong with it to begin with. I can tell you what's wrong with it. You're not winning football games. That's what's wrong with it. You're not, you know what I mean? You're not able to close out. You're not able to execute all of those things. So I would take a look at, for example, some of the guys that that maybe Coach Rivera has drafted, who's used to his style versus used to a coach Eric Bieniemy's style, um, because they are very different. They're very different. I think again, I'm just going to reiterate what's not communicated is, but which which style historically gets the results you're looking mm. for from a wins and losses perspective. So I know, you know, a lot of folks, and I mentioned this on my show, okay, a lot of people are like, get it to EB, get it to EB. And I'm like, hey, I may feel the same way, but if I'm being perfectly objective, that's going to be a tough call, right? Because mm. if there are issues, and if these are issues with players that you would like to keep, then how do you find that balance? Where is mm -hmm. it? It's tough. You can't just say everybody go because you do need to keep some. You do need to keep some sort of contingency plan 
mm-hmm. know, but I, but I, but I, but what I will say is I would not just write it off. Like it's just, you know, cause this is now a trend, a theme and something that came about during the summer that we're now hearing continue, you know, still at the end of November. So Candy, what's the best solution, man, going forward this season? I was just, I just posed the question too. If they tank, fans gonna be mad. <laughs> if, if they if they go on a run, but it's too little, too late, fans gonna be upset. So, what matters moving forward? And does getting that one division victory this this season matter at this point? I would say the one division, the one division when does that doesn't matter. If anybody is excited about the Commanders beating the Cowboys the last game of the season, then I would I will honestly say shame on you. No, that does not matter. It does not matter. This team is what, oh, and five now in division. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. I mean, maybe if that game, you know, puts Dallas in a certain, you know, playoff spot or whatever. Who cares if they make the playoffs and in, in, in the Commanders don't? It it really doesn't. Um, so I think what needs to happen now, I think it's it's the ownership. From my understanding, they they've already been planning for the future and now is the time i would really hope that they really are able to share in the offseason what their vision is for this franchise because here's the reality to your point if they tank we it's six more weeks five more games and one by week this is going to be rough to watch whether they tank or they fighting for it this is going to be this is going to be a rough ride and so if they completely say we want to completely rebuild that's going to tick people off. If they want to be aggressive and win, here's the reality. They're going to lose some of your favorite players. Mm-hmm. Everybody's mm-hmm. not going to be able to say. Exactly. And they might lose some of your posi- favorite position coaches and, and front office people in, 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 the, in, the, in the shuffle. Um, because rebuilds don't, you know, switching gears real quick. Hey, listen, the Wizards' new leadership told everybody this is going to be rough. This is going to be hard. This is going to be wild to watch. And everybody's mad. And I'm like, they told y'all <laughs> right. this was going to be bad. And everybody's still upset. Like, they didn't hear them. So it's going to be the same thing here. Unless they completely turn it around. I think where I've been shocked mm-hmm. with everything, it's like, the expectation that owners, the owners, the new owners are supposed to change everything from 30 years of muck. They're supposed to change it since the week before training camp. Listen, in all honesty, I think this is probably true across the board. This has shocked everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. everybody had, you know, playoff hopes and dreams, Super Bowl. No, I'm not saying that. But the team being as bad as it is, is a shock to everyone. I don't think anybody anticipated this. Um, so this is going to be a very hard decision, and it's going to hurt. It's going to be rough because you can't just get rid of people that you that you don't like without bothering some of the people that like those individuals. Like, is, is this going to be a rough ride? Either way, changes were going to be made. Right. It, it didn't matter. In, unless they won the Super Bowl, which they were not, changes were going to be made. Sure, they could tank for draft position. Mm-hmm. But what I mean, what is they're not tanking now. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm being real, right? You know, I'm always coming to be objective. I know, absolutely. They're not tanking now. So it's like, well, they should tank. Well, I mean, they don't necessarily <laughs> have to try. It's not. What is what is the what is the fear? You know, I feel like there's fear, and people think that Ron Rivera's gonna come in here, be the defensive coordinator, and the entire season is gonna change. Mm. It's not. So, I mean, well, you you'll probably see something better because now somebody lost their job as a result of the play. Mm-hmm. So you might see a difference in the defense because folks now understand it's a shame that it took this long, but now they understand that the backs are against the wall. Jobs will be lost. Yep. And this is a real issue and we got to do something. So you might see something different, but we're not about to see them go five and oh for the rest of the season. That's not Mm -hmm. going to happen. 
So it's okay, you know, go go from what are, what are they at? Number four to ten, you know, all of that. Is mm-hmm. okay. When it's was a strong possibility with their remaining schedule, this is gonna happen anyway. It's inevitable. Um, you know, I told I told people on my post, hey, Thanksgiving Day, don't lose your dinner. Just try to be strong. Don't let them mess up your day. And what did it do? It messed up people's day. And it's like that was going to be a disaster. Now I didn't know it was going to be that bad, but I knew it was bad. Yeah, man, eating that turkey on the sideline that pissed a lot of people off, and and in front of a historic audience at that. I kind of already touched on that. I know that's been talked about in nauseam. Uh, shout out to Dujanay. Of course, tanking is tough, man. Some people. They, yeah. they, they mastered that. <laughs> but this commander's team, I think, has too much talent to do it. But you saying the same thing Candy saying, man. Folks are playing for jobs and uh, future jobs at that and, and and future jobs. Absolutely. I totally agree, man. Like I said, appreciate you. Candy, is there anything that can can offer hope in, 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 the, in the remainder of the season going into the offseason? Would the defense play better without JDR now? Um, they just hired – um, the former Bills secondary mm-hmm. coach, Jim Salgado. Mm-hmm. If Sam Howell continues to make strides, what could potentially give this fan base hope going into the offseason, if anything? I mean, I think the hope is going to have to be in, did the commanders find the quarterback? Right? Mm-hmm. Now, the challenge with that is, Sam is is developed in the manner that he has because of the current staff that is supporting him right now. So that's going to be a hard decision, right? Is Sam truly the quarterback of the future? Is this what what the ownership believes can win football games? And, And do you keep this current offensive staff that's currently supporting him? Do you keep them there? I think that those are things that they just need to watch out for. I do believe the defense will play better. And that's just off the strip of somebody got fired. You know, that's just the reaction of, oh, oh, you know, it's, it's just the normal reaction. It's just human nature. Do I think they'll play better in a way that results in winning a lot of, fo- you know, the majority of the rest of the football games? No. I mean, not necessarily because it's just who they're playing. But I think that this is going to sound really hard. I've been telling people, hey, you know, you got to start paying attention to what other teams are doing. Mm -hmm. Right. I I don't Mm -hmm. I don't think the fan base pays attention enough to what other teams are doing. I say this every week. Watch other games. Watch other teams. Start to pay attention to who those coordinators, who those position coaches are which head coaches have very successful coaching trees, meaning that, you know, there's always changes in the offseason. The coordinators and position coaches switch all the time. So who's doing well? You know, Mm -hmm. whose coaching tree has been very successful in the last three to five years? And maybe that's where, you know, folks need to start looking in terms of if they think they need a new, you know, we know for sure they're going to need a new coordinator and, and, and a defensive back coach. We know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Because those positions are empty. They're being filled in an interim status, but we know that those positions are absolutely vacant. So, in terms of that, is what can what can what can everybody learn from, and what can this you know hoping and what this new ownership team can establish to say this is how we want to be for the future. There can be changes in a year. Things can change in a year. In a, in a very short period of time, they can, but you have to have the right staff to do it. It would be nice for the commanders to win a game here and there, but to your point, then people are going to be like, well, why you do that? Because you were top five in the draft, and now you're going to be top ten if you win a game. It's, it's really in a situation right now where it's no right answer, and, it, and, and no answer is going to be good enough right now because the team is just that surprisingly unsuccessful this season so people are gonna look forward to the to the cowboys game i mean i've got to cover all of them the game to watch Mm -hmm. is that 49ers game it's it's kind of crazy the way things are right now because i'm like now they're talking about aaron Rodgers coming back of course right before the commander's game that i don't 
okay. So that's when his 21 day window, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. His 21 day window would be up right before the commanders game. Okay, just perfect. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just wild. It's wild, you know. Um, I wish there was more I can say in terms of hope, you know, but this has been a rough season and I think it's just gone too far down the path to recover. Hey, I know, I know, I'm sure coach Ron Rivera would like to prove me and everybody else wrong, but I think this is just where things are. If, if there is in fact some things going on internally um, that are hard to recover from. Yeah. I think you're onto something when it comes to Sam Howell, though, man, this, this franchise needs a quarterback. Every franchise needs a starting quarterback and one Mm -hmm. that, can provide some consistency, longevity, man. I'm a Falcons fan. Matt Ryan, he didn't get that Super Bowl win, but we knew every year who the quarterback was and we were comfortable with it. And this mm-hmm. this franchise haven't ha- hasn't had that for a while. But one franchise that thinks they do have their franchise quarterback is the Miami Dolphins, man. They come into FedEx Field on Sunday, the Commanders host two attack of a lower and the Miami Dolphins. First off, Dolphins fans, as far as I know, they're not they're not known for traveling well. Mm-mm. So what's the, what's the stadium going to look like, Andy? I mean, I haven't seen that it's sold out yet, right? Like, when it has to come <laughs> out, like, oh, the game is sold out. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see what it looks like. It might it might look a little bleak um, for, both, for both teams. But I tell you what, if ever there was a week that Ron Rivera wanted to be the defensive coordinator, he sure did pick one. Like, oh, okay, all right. Um, so... This this is this is a game that is going to be so tough because you absolutely need your defense to show up if you had any chance of winning this game. And also, do you really want to see Sam Howell get into a shootout with Tua? Mm. Man. So with that disrespectful butt whooping that, that came via Dallas on Thanksgiving that we talked about, included Dak eating turkey on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Would that light a fire under them? Like, listen, we can't let this happen no more. I don't know how many times I've heard between the coaches, players, fans, we think this is the low point. After the Buffalo game, this, this is the low point. After the Giants loss, the second Giants loss, this is the low point. After the Cowboys game, this is the low point. Um, can't get no more lower, man. It's time to ball. Well, we'll just what they've experienced, would that light a fire under this team? Well, it would. Well, what we I want to take it back even a step further back during the summer. When everything was coming out about, you know, uh, people complaining about EB or had concerns, you know, that was and what coach was trying to convey that day, because I was there when he said it. I don't think it came out the way he wanted to convey it. But players had questions about his style, Mm -hmm. which, you know, went another way. But then you have everybody calling him soft. This hasn't helped. This season has not helped. Maybe it did get to him. Maybe, maybe, you know, serious. I'm being like really serious because even one of the things I shared on my show was even with the um, relieving of Jack Del Rio and the defensive back coach, you might have you might have made me believe you if you did that after the Bears game. If after you did that after the Bears game, I might have believed you, but it opened up the door to continuously get embarrassed to your point. Okay, the Buffalo Bills game was supposed to be the low point. Then you turn around and get beat the way you did on Thursday Night Football to the, at the time, win the Chicago Bears. If you wanted me to believe that. that you really were trying to win and you weren't playing and you wanted everybody, not just the players, to do their jobs, you would have let some people go that day. Mm. I said, I don't have time for this. And it's too much season left. And if we continue to go down this path, this will not be good. This will not be good. And it, and if ever the, the conversation around having respect for yourself, caring about what's on the film, caring about what you what you present and the product on the field in front of these fans, it's 41.8 million people watching on Thanksgiving. And there was 93,000 people in the building. And it was like you get it's like you get scared, like you get stage fright. You're bumping into each other. You're dropping passes. What is happening? What is going on? And if that's even the case, and you got some people that's not performing, hey, listen, I didn't think anybody was above not being released during the season to get, you know, to get some players in that's ready to try to win some football games, you know, because that's embarrassing every week. And, and, and it's not motivating. 
So they can't afford to lose mm -hmm. like this. Like they did, like they have a multitude of times now this season. They can't afford to do that. And they've done that a bit in front of the home crowd. So yeah, it, it might be rather empty on Sunday, especially if it's cold. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, hey, that's a good point, man. That cold will keep you out, let, if you, especially you if you're not winning. Um, real quick before I let you get out of here, what are you expecting from the from the team in general? Two things. One is, do you expect to see more blitzing now because JDR is not called? Not any longer, and also Sam Howell. How do you expect him to fare against the Dolphins' defense? And what's your prediction? I'm hoping. I'm hoping, Sam. I, I do think it. I'm hoping it will be a high-scoring game. It's kind of funny whenever they score low, they end up scoring high the next week. So mm. I'm thinking that's what will end up happening. You know what I mean? It's they. You only scored ten points last week. They probably score close to 25, 24, 25, upwards of that. I'm thinking. Um, that's me being very, you know, ambitious. But they had some blunders, some really bad blunders on offense. It wasn't just all the defense. The offense was pretty bad um, last week as well. And you will see a a, a, a Ron Rivera. I think that is clearly fighting for his job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Candy, you have hung in there this entire season, man. Respect to you. Yeah. Always appreciate you coming <laughs> on. Of course, man, everybody go check out Candy at Seawalls. Um, you are, I mean, you got so many things going on. President, Bowie yeah. TV, Seawalls Sports and Entertainment. Also, SI Fan Nation, Wizards, man, you are doing it, man. Just excited for you. Look forward to talking to you again in the future. All right. Thank you so much, Ray. I'll talk to you again soon. All right. Take it easy, Candy. All right, that was, again, Candy Waller. Uh, check her out. Like I said, man, all social media platforms, man. Support her work, man. She's amazing. And now, man, it's time to talk uh, some Wizards to close out this show. I posed a question on social media, or the urban sports scene did, of course. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, he stated recently something to the effect that it's difficult going from the third option to being the primary guy in reference to Jordan Poole, as well as himself. He said he went through that transition coming to Washington. Uh, the question we asked was, is this valid? And uh, can we compare Jordan Poole to guys like James Harden and Jimmy Butler and Terry Rozier? They made similar transitions going, to, going from a third option, a third scoring option per se. Of course, J James Harden was in OKC, Jimmy Butler with the Bulls behind Carlos Booz and, and, and D. Rose. Um, Terry Rozier played in Boston, had a, a heck of a squad. Then he went to Charlotte and he balled out. Everybody seemed to, to, to relish that opportunity. So is this valid? And we got some comments on social media. Dujanay, I see you too, man. I'll come back to that as I close, bro. I appreciate you. Um, We got some social media comments, as I mentioned. First on Instagram. Sean P. McNeil said, hell no, if he can't be tamed by Wes Unsell Jr., forget about it. A lot of people are basically saying Jordan Poole is not uh, disciplined. Um, a lot of people feel like he's not a franchise guy. He never should have been viewed as that. Um, Steven Newman, shout out to him, man. Hey, thank you guys for your comments. He said on, on X, <laughs> it's Kuz's show. Poole's a number two at best, and that's only if he bounces back. So, where, where Jordan Poole is right now, I guess a lot of people feel as though he's not even considered a number two guy. Of course, the Wizards are taking on the Orlando Magic um, during this show, man. Uh, they ended their, their losing streak recently and defeated the Detroit Pistons, who also had a 2-14 record heading into that game. So Jordan Poole right now is, is viewed, based on my perception and based on what I'm hearing from you guys, is he's viewed as somebody that's expendable, period. Um, if Jordan Poole was to get traded, by the trade deadline, a lot of you guys wouldn't matter. Hey, Cam Mingo, love you, bro. Appreciate your support of the show. Cam is his campaign. Hey, give it a ch give it a chance. Um, just like Candy referenced, as she was talking about the Commanders, we've already heard ownership and th and this new leadership with the Wizards say, "Hey, it's gonna take a while." Um, but how much patience does does does, does this fan base have? Uh, you haven't had a playoff year since, of course, the Wall and Bill days. And well, Bill actually, him and Russ did take the team to the playoffs. They got to the playing tournament 
and and went to the playoffs against the the Sixers. Didn't fare too well, of course. Joel Embiid, MVP caliber player, it was tough. But uh, people want to see a winner around here, and, and it hasn't been that way. Professional sports teams are hurting in the DMV, and uh, this is a basketball town. We've been saying it for weeks. I know the Wizards. I mean, I'm sorry. I know the Commanders. Uh, probably are the, the biggest show in town. But overall, you look at high school, the college level, this is a basketball town, man. And people want to see a winner. People will go support a winner. Right now, it's just not looking good. Jordan Poole, is he the guy to put fans in the stands? Viewership on television is low. And fan attendance isn't that well, which Denny complained about. But unfortunately, you got to put a product out there where people can support. But anyway, listen, man, this has been a dope show, man. I appreciate my guest, Jay Walker, for coming on, man. Check him out. He's going to be... On the call this coming Saturday when FAMU takes on PV, man, in the SWAC championship game, man. And also, of course, check out him and Tiffany Green, Black College Football Live, man. Dope, dope channel here on YouTube. Check them out on every social media platform. Seawalls, who just joined me to talk commanders, man. Listen, it's been a great show. Wole, man, look forward to getting you back next week. Thank you for listening. As Wole would always say, it's weird for me to say it, but you have been listening to the urban sports scene for ages you dig deuces hey mega lead us out big homie